Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Happy Wednesday, friends. Greetings from the Dominican Republic. I wanted to say hi to Michelle and Laura and Christina and Ryan and Kelly and Anya and Giacomo. So excited to see you guys here today and happy, happy Wednesday. As always, my favorite day of the week because we get to meet awesome people, copy their homework, network with each other, get things that work and use it in our everyday lives. So if that is not a most perfect day, I don't know what is. And I am really excited today for two very important reasons. Number one, I got married on Saturday. Ah, so I am coming to you live feeling more mature, feeling like I'm just kidding. I don't, I still don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how to be a wife. So if anyone has any advice for that, drop, <laughs> drop it in the chat. Uh, and number two, the reason I'm so excited is we are this close, very, very, very close to launching the podcast. What will the podcast be? It will be an audio only version of this, our live session right here, right now. So if you have to catch a work meeting, if the dog is throwing up, if the kids are sick, never fear an audio version is here or will be here starting. We're, we're shooting for March 1st. So if you miss a session, you can tune in via audio while you're going for a run, washing the dishes, doing the laundry. You don't have to tune in live to get all the goodness. So really excited about that. Thank you, Peter and Ryan and Vanessa and everybody for your congratulations. Mm, I'm feeling all the love. And I hope that today you feel the love from myself and our guest today because Terry is not only an amazing human being, he is also a dear, dear friend, even though we, I did a LinkedIn audio, I think I'm getting that name right, LinkedIn audio event with him last week, and he pointed out we've never met in real life, and it's true, we have not met IRL, but it feels like we, like we are old, old friends. So I'm sure you guys understand in the beauty of the new digital global world we're living in, how someone can feel like a close friend, can feel like a close colleague or a mentor or a coach, but you've never actually met them in real life. So that is exactly what's happening here today. But if you haven't done your Google stalking, which hopefully you did, Terry Rice is an amazing business consultant. He is a speaker. He is an author. And I'm hopefully going to get this right because it's always like a little bit of a paradox. He is the entrepreneur in residence at Entrepreneur Magazine, which always feels like a loop. I'm like the entrepreneur within the entrepreneur. It's like the it's like the Matrix or something. So he'll he'll let us you know get in on the insight and decipher that a little bit more. But really excited. As you know, we're getting straight into the good stuff. So if you want to know the more basics of like who's Terry and like, what has he done in life? 
That's what Google is for, my friends. And we will drop a link in the chat so you can Google your little heart out all about Terry. But we are getting into the good stuff from you. Questions, comments, how Terry got where he's at, how he does all that he does. So wherever you are in the world, again, I'm coming in from the Dominican Republic, but where the heck are you coming in from? Hopefully you've already let us know. Jen's coming in from the San Antonio airport today. So we are worldwide. And I saw somebody else came in from Mexico City and Cheryl's here from Portland. So if you haven't already, let us know where you're coming in from. But raise a glass wherever you are and help us welcome Terry to coffee. <laughs> hey, Terry. So awesome to see you. Oh, we can't hear you, Terry. The live fun. Or is it just me? Can you hear him, Shelby? Shelby can't hear you either. And I can't hear you. What? Now we can yeah. hear you. Yeah, how about now? All right. Let yeah, it's never, it's never, it's you never, know, yeah. Yeah, there's always something going on with the live broadcast. But what I was saying is I can't believe you got married last weekend and now we're talking right now. When I saw that, I'm like, maybe this is going to get pushed back. But no, here you are looking more mature um, <laughs> and, and wet. Everyone always asks me like, oh, why don't you take a break? And I'm like, legitimately, this is my favorite meeting of the week. Like legitimately, like, even on my honeymoon, I'm like, I'm going to go do a coffee with Kim because these are all my homies and I really want to talk. So, awesome, so awesome. excited to be here with you, Terry, and I excited for you to kind of let us in on some of your secret sauce. And I feel like one of the, the secret things that you do so, so well is structure your day. You dropped a little bomb on us on Instagram, I think it was the other day, where you had been up since like 3.30 in the morning. So we have got to talk about the structures with your day, how you're doing this, what's working, what's not, and what we might be able to steal. Let's do it. I mean, I think one thing to realize is being a parent can be a superpower because I have four kids. So I'm so time constrained that I don't have time to procrastinate. And every moment I get to myself has to be as efficient as possible. So this week, actually, all four of them were home for the holiday, which is interesting. Right now, only one is around. You might hear in the background. But um, I just I focus on impact. And I normally start my day around 430, sometimes five if I'm sleeping in. Um, but when you're up at 4.30, you know what you do? The most important thing, right? <laughs> so I'll proactively think, you know, what's the most impactful thing I can do with my time? Because I realize I have about an hour and a half or so before kids start coming out, asking for snacks, asking to watch TV, whatever it is. So it's just really being intentional. And I have like this three by three grid. What are three things I can do for myself today? What are three things I can do for my business today? And then what are three things I can do to maintain relationships today? And I just check off those boxes, but that may you make sure you're getting the most important stuff done first, because you never know how your day is going to end, but you do know how it can start by controlling it that way. And when you have this, this three by three model matrix, if you will, do things roll over from one day to the next, or is the goal for all nine of those things to get done, you know, on that Tuesday or that Wednesday? The goal is for all nine to get done, but if they keep on rolling over, I'm like, you obviously don't care that much about this. Because like, why has it been on your list <laughs> for so many days? And one way to actually commit to doing things is don't just create a to-do list, put your to-do list on your calendar. If you're not willing to literally block off time for it, 
you don't care that much or it's not that important. But if you put your to-do list on your calendar, you can schedule your life around it and make sure you get those, those, those tasks done. Okay. I've never heard this three by three matrix, but I'm loving it. And by the way, if anyone also is loving this three by three matrix and you want to get all of these notes and stuff later, uh, you can go to sendmenotes.com and we will send you all the notes from this conversation. I don't want anyone like furiously scribbling <laughs> three by three. What did Terry say? Back up. Uh, don't worry. We'll, we'll send that all to you. But Terry, can you give me an example? Maybe if this is not revealing too much of what one or two things were on your list for today as an example in that nine by nine, three by three, which is nine. Yeah. Well, one of them is a brand partnership opportunity that I have that's going out right now. And it's worth a lot of money. Uh, just a lot. Let's just say, <laughs> say it that way. So I was talking to my wife. I'm like, this is really important. Like this is, you know, a, I got to focus on this. I understand our daughter's home, but like she can just watch TV for a little bit because <laughs> this is how we're going to pay for school uh, and daycare for the next year. So that was definitely one of them. Um, but another is just saying thanks to people in my network who have made an impact on me. And I love reaching out to people when I don't need something. That's the best time to do it because they're always waiting. Like when this guy can ask you for something, I'm like, no, this, 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 you know, this Wednesday, I just want to say hi. So that's important because You'll just leave like this, this, this good karma out in the world and it will come back to you. Plus, it just makes you feel good to say nice things and show appreciation. For me, it's a form of gratitude. So that's always super important. And if you can't make time to be grateful, uh, you got to cut some other stuff out of your life. Okay. I'm very excited that you touched on brand partnerships because I do want to kind of dig into this a little bit more. Um what is this like a new side of your business that you're starting? Because again, we kind of sort of open it up and I know people are going to Google, but you are a consultant. You also do some speaking, do some writing, do some podcasting. So like, is this a new sort of facet to your, your many sided business? It's something I'm doing on purpose now, because okay. like you, people have reached out to me in the past and said, Hey, do you want to make content for us? Uh, do you want to lead a module in this accelerator? So on and so forth. And I've said yes, and I was like, hmm, what if I did this on purpose? What if I actually had goals around this and metrics and put a team together to help me present myself in a more effective way? I could probably generate a lot of revenue. So it's a, it's a newer thing, and it's fun because I already have some experience in it, but I'm also learning a lot during the process as well. And I think it's accessible to anyone to create brand partnerships because any product or service that you know and use and enjoy you can reach out and say, hey, I love your tool. Here's why. Here's the impact. By the way, would you be interested in me being a partner? And you might say, oh, gosh, Terry, look, I got like 14 followers on Instagram. How's that going to work? The great equalizer saying, look, I'm a content creator. You can use my content and put ad dollars behind it. And with as little as $1,000, you can reach 100,000 people. Great. Now I got 100,000 followers. So don't let your social media follow, following impact your self-worth when it comes to these things. You are the talent. You are the content creator. You might have a following, you might not, but you still provide a lot of value. And what about this point from Jeff, which is how many times should you use a product or maybe be a customer of that brand before you approach them and say like, hey, I really, you know, I did this tea or this coffee that you're selling. Long enough to have faith that if you vouch for it to your best friend, they won't be disappointed and unfriend you. I guess that's the best way to say it. It depends on whatever you're talking about. But like when you feel confident, recommend it to a friend or family member that you that you like. Um, that's when you know it's been long enough. 
Fair, fair enough. And I'm curious, like, do you kind of a follow up question from Jeff is that did you start out doing, I guess it even doesn't have to be post, but do you talk about things on your social media, whether it is, you know, a notebook that you love or an app or a service that, you know, do you just share things that you love and then just certain things happen to be sponsored posts? Or are you pretty, um, pretty much like, no, when I'm recommending a product, it's usually because I'm an ambassador of them in some way. No, it's often very organic. And I'll give you an example. So I'm not advertising it, but this is called Athletic Greens. It's a green drink that helps you get all your nutrients on a daily basis. And I just yeah. posted one time, I'm like, oh, well, this is very beneficial as a parent because I can take this in the morning instead of coffee. And I'm not all jittery around my kids uh, when they wake up. And they happen to see that. And that's how I became a brand ambassador. But it's I posted it organically. But whenever you do that, make sure you tag the company you're talking about so they can see it. And then their social media manager might say, hey, thanks, man. Or they might share it as a story. And then you've opened up the opportunity to have that conversation saying, hey, you want more stuff like this? Can we talk? Now, I think it's also beneficial to have, a, beneficial to have an example of content you can create, like maybe reels or short form video, whatever it is. You can say, here's an example of what I can do. But I think an organic, someone else um, who loves athletic greens too. Um, but if you have an example of what you can do, it just kind of reduces the uncertainty involved with them saying yes to you. I, I love the idea of just really kind of finding ways to partner or monetize or utilize stuff that you're already doing. So you're already drinking athletic greens. You're already going to be talking about it anyways. Are there ways that you can kind of go the extra mile, which sort of segues into Giacomo's question, which is really more along the lines of if you feel like you already have knowledge on a subject and it could be any subject, right? From a car mechanic to a graphic designer to a salesperson, how can you say, hey, I know a lot about cars or I know a lot about sales or I know a lot about marketing? and really start to leverage your expertise in a unique way, because that's really what you did. It sounds like, you know, partnering with entrepreneur and, and building up that side of your business. Yeah, I think more the question is, how do you monetize your knowledge? Is that, is that a fair summation? Definitely. I think one way to get started is to deliver content for free. And I know people don't like the F word, but that's how you get reps in. And that's how you can fail with no consequences. But then you also get questions from your audience and questions create content. So the more questions you get, the better the content you can create. You also get testimonials from people saying, oh gosh, this guy was amazing. This one was amazing. You have to have her. Then you can more, I would say, confidently move forward and pitch yourself as a speaker, as a content creator, whatever it may be. But if we're talking about how much to actually charge, that's where people like Kim come in. Your network comes in asking other content creators, which I did awkwardly with Kim about a month and a half ago, saying, how much do you charge for this stuff? And she's like, hey, look, let's just talk. And it was so beneficial because I strongly believe the future belongs to creators. And a creator can be a blogger, a videographer, content creator, whatever it is, but it's up to us to create it together. And if we don't work together, then it's us against all these big brands and organizations that can more or less bully us into taking one rate versus another. And another drawback of not collaborating is, there might be someone who's setting the bar so low, the rest of us can't get paid a fair amount because there's people that are just taking anything for opportunities. So we want to level set. And when you're talking about, you know, kind of doing that networking or reaching out to other creators, how are you doing that? I mean, obviously you and I were already connected and we're already friends, but how are you doing that with new people? 
I'm just reaching out and saying, Hey, I like what you did. Pretty cool. And then going about my day. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't by design follow up and say, Hey, can we chat? Can, you know, can we do a virtual coffee or whatever? Cause people have stuff to do and so do I, but if you can just naturally form some kind of relationship over a short period of time that leads to a conversation like that, it's beneficial. I think the problem is when you, you try to take before you give and that's when people get turned off. But if you are the gift, whether the gift is some kind of compliment or whatever it may be, you'll receive the gift, which is going to be partnerships and opportunities. But you need to have this kind of patience and patience is a form of wisdom, realizing it takes time for things to unfold. But if you rush that, you project lack and you project, project scarcity and you scare people away. How do you, do you do most of this networking with other creators or with other, you know, partners? Is it mostly on LinkedIn? Is it a little bit of Instagram, Twitter? Kind of where are you, where's your home base, if you will? Yeah, mostly on LinkedIn, I would say. And then, so let's say 70% on LinkedIn and then 30% on Instagram. But what happens is sometimes people meet me on LinkedIn and they'll start following me on Instagram. And that's where the interactions occur because they'll see a story of me, like taking my kids to the park or something. And like, oh, this guy's actually a human. And that's what'll make them respond to the story. And from there we go into more of a conversation. So it can often start on LinkedIn, but then people kind of know, like, and trust you on other channels at times. Uh, in this case it could be Instagram. And that's how it continues forward. It's been really interesting. And I don't know if you have seen this as much as I have, but I sort of felt like we were working in what I like to call like a social media mullet where it's like LinkedIn in the front, business in the front, and then like party in the back, which is more like Instagram, TikTok, whatever. That was sort of our social media mullet. And, and now it seems like, I don't know if you've been seeing it as much, there seems to be a lot more lifestyle content or, or whatever label you want to put on that, that's sort of making its way onto LinkedIn. I've seen a lot of like repurposed TikToks and stuff like that. What are your thoughts, especially, you know, partnering with really prestigious brands like Entrepreneur of people that are sort of mixing that... I don't want to say more informal, but more maybe lifestyle content or side of their personality with LinkedIn, a, a more business fronting side. Yeah, two things. One is you can do whatever you want on social media as long as you can deal with the consequences. And they might not always be good if you're showing too much of a personal side because, you know, for whatever reason, like some audience might have one line of their, their drawing. But I, I encourage it because... You, what you want to have is like just some kind of pattern interrupting thought that you're putting out on any platform. And if the interrupting thought is like, wow, look at this different kind of content. Cool. That's how you win. But if you're saying, oh, I was so humble to speak at this, or I was honored to speak at that. It's like, okay, boring next. Right. But if you're saying, Hey, here's me like typing on my computer and there's my kids are over here, like, you know, playing with Legos or something that might be more interesting. Or if you're telling mm -hmm. some impassioned story, like, Hey, I've applied for 3000 jobs and I still have not landed anything. Like it's tough, you know, but I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to stop. That stuff's a pattern interrupting thought, which might help you stand out. Now, that said, I mean, depending on your target audience and what your goals are, they might not like that stuff. And I see some people are like, this belongs on Facebook. And it's like, bro, how are you like the LinkedIn police? You know, like scroll, scroll, you know, like, that's all you have to do. Like, why is this like, why are you stopping now to comment? Right. Because let people live. And I think it's wrong to judge people by saying this is appropriate. This is not because who are you to be again, like the 
the the person saying what's what's okay and what's not. I, I totally agree. And it, and it makes sense, especially if you're saying kind of your home base is LinkedIn. It means that you obviously, Terry, spend a ton of time on the platform. And so I'm curious for you, you know, where, like, where do you find the time or how do you set up time to create content for LinkedIn? Is it part of your everyday? Do you lump things into like Tuesday is content creation day or how do you think about that? Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, there's never been a better time or opportunity to collaborate with people around the world than being on LinkedIn. Because you remember those days when you would like in New York City, when you're here, like going to networking events, getting on the subway, just praying you meet someone interesting, finding people that are boring, trying to find an escape route, you know, while you're there and so on and so forth. You're rolling the dice all the time. But with LinkedIn, you can literally say, who do I want to interact with? Oh, podcasters, people in the media, people in this organization, and just do that. So on my end, I don't see why it would not be a good use of anyone's time as opposed to, you know, just hoping you meet the right people or doing some kind of cold calling. Now, in regards to when I do so, it's normally in the morning because that's when I post. I normally post around 9 a.m. And then whenever you post, you should engage before and after. That's how you get more reach in the, uh, the newsfeed. And the way that I plan my day is the first half of my week, Monday through Wednesday, it's a lot of meetings with business partners and actual work work. And then Thursdays is when I normally write content and Fridays is when I record. So that's my schedule and it keeps me honest. And my editor then knows, okay, you should expect something Friday and he's ready with everything by Monday and I can start distributing again. So just actually creating time for content creation is really important, but I also think creating time for serendipity to incur so you can have random thoughts and random ideas about your content is pretty important too. And then are you creating content that you kind of think is helpful and other people like you would want to see, or are you really creating content to help bring in consulting work for you, like new, new clients, new customers? Like, how do you think about the type of content you're making and why you're making it? I'm making content for the person I was five years ago and saying, wow, I wish I had this advice because when I first started my business, I had a newborn daughter and I was just worried all the time about her future because her future was tied to the success of my business and I had no clue what I was doing. So I was present, but I feel like I missed a lot. I look at pictures. I'm like, when, when did that happen? Right? So if I can help people avoid all that anxiety, all that fear and all that worry and give them the right information to do so, that's a win for me. And on my end, I'm really lucky because I actually can't take on consulting clients. I don't do group consulting anymore. I don't really do one-on-one -on -one stuff. I'd love to. I just don't have the time. So I can just give out free value and be on my merry way. But it's funny. The more I do that, the more I get people reaching out to me saying, hey, Terry, you can help me. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, I can I can do like an hour here or there, but I, I can't partner with you the way that you might want someone to do. And I'll, I'll just recommend someone else if I can, or I'll say, look, find someone else. But it's a cool spot to be in where you're like, I don't really want anything. I'm just... First of all, I'm a bored dad of four. I'm writing on social media. And second of all, I'm trying to help that guy that I was or the person that I was five years ago not be so worried and, and make more clear decisions. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I really think Caroline's point here is an interesting one, which is, you know, if there is someone out there that's like you who is making a lot of content, doing it for free 
how do you make that jump? Or in this case, she's saying make an assessment of the content that's delivered for free and actually say, okay, here's free and here's monetization. What is the bridge that I have to kind of build or, or jump over to get from here to here? What's that bridge that you jumped over? Yeah, and I think it's a very common concern is, am I giving away too much for free? And my response would be, well, if you're not making any money, yes. But the thing is, for people to know, like, and trust you, they do have to consume some of your content. So give enough away in order to get over that initial hump. But then you want to have an end goal. What's my goal from this content? And that's why it's beneficial to have a lead magnet. A lead magnet can be a PDF, a guide, an online course, something of value you offer in exchange for someone's email address. And if you have that, then you can get them on your email list and eventually sell them. It could be a course, it could be consulting, it could be something. But the problem I see with giving away free content is when you don't have an obvious end game to it, then it becomes a problem. But if you have this, this funnel, and I don't want to make it complicated by saying funnel, it's just step one content, step two, lead magnet, step three, email and monetization, because that's four steps, then you're fine. And you can kind of look and see what's working, what's not. And do you find that when you when you find something that works and you are maybe taking on clients or maybe new uh, interesting projects, let's talk about raising prices because that is something you and I have talked about offline, but I'd love to bring it online and kind of get your two cents on what raising prices is like or how to really, at the end of the day, how to judge what you're worth or what your time's worth. Yeah, I'll address, I'll address the first part of the question first, which is how do you even judge what you're worth? There's a few ways. One is Google it. How much does this type of person get paid? Because that's what your audience is doing anyways. Another is looking at the websites of people who offer a similar service. Some people have their prices on their website too. So you can kind of get an idea there. Uh, a third is asking people in your network, just like Kim and I did, uh, in regards to how much they're charging. So you can kind of circle the wagon that way and get a good understanding of what you should be charging. But then what I like to think about is based on my revenue goal, let's say it's to make $100,000 a year, how many yeses do I need to hit that goal? Meaning how many people do I have to uh, work with? And if you're charging $5,000 for your services, you need 20 yeses a year. If you're charging 500, you need, yeah, 200 yeses per year. Is that right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the moral of the story is, you wanna focus on charging a premium based on how much time you have available. That way you need less yeses. And the benefit is you can spend more time creating content that attracts the right people to you. So that's the way I think about it. How many yeses do I need? And if you're doing a sales call, your close rate should be at least 33%. So you can kind of reverse engineer, how many calls do I have to book in order to get this many yeses per year or per month? Now in regards to raising prices, sorry, go ahead Kim. Well, I was going to say, do you have like a litmus test? Like if someone's like, yes, Terry, I'm in. Do you have any sort of hot or cold test? Because then it's like, what if you end up with a bunch of crazy clients? Yeah. Even as the seller of a service, you should always be the buyer because you're going to be in that relationship too. So if you have any kind of feelings like, I don't know, you got to go with that. Because once you say yes and take their money, they, they own your time. And if you're like, oh, shoot, it's three o'clock, I got to talk to Kelly, and you're upset, you should never work with Kelly. Like, that's on you. So I've never regretted saying no to people that I just eh, didn't get a good feeling from. 
I have regretted saying yes when I was trying to convince myself it was a good idea. But what I used to do is I would say, oh, gosh, you know, Kim, I'd love to work with you, but I don't I don't really have the time. Then a day later, you'd see me on Instagram or LinkedIn saying, if you need help doing this, book me right now. And they're like, you're like, bro, you're obviously lying. Right. <laughs> so so now I'm just more honest. I'm like, look, I just don't see a good fit. And I want to make sure you reach your desired outcome. I think, you know, this is an idea. I don't want to say it's a good idea, um, but <laughs> I can't help you on this journey. And what I'll also do sometimes is I won't even recommend anyone because I just want it to be done at that point. I don't want to have that person back in my life. So that's that's my approach, which might be a little bit colder than some other people. But I just want to be done and go work out or go raise a kid <laughs> or read a book or whatever else. I, I want to be done with the situation. Do you find that as you continue to hone in your message that that you are attracting more of the right type of clients? I do because, I mean, I think there's the operational definition of professional, right? And you can fall into that niche if you want. I, I don't because I'm like, first of all, who, who gets to decide what professional is? Second of all, like, I can't pretend to be someone I'm, uh, that I'm not and do a good job at the same time because part of my energy is going to be towards like remaining, trying to like live up to this facade I put up and the other, and other part of my energy is trying to be delivering a good job. So I'm just like, look, this is who I am. And like, you don't have to like me. That's fine. But look at Nickelback. Nickelback is one of the most hated bands in the world. If you Google most hated band in the world, Nickelback's showing up there like, you know, but if you also Google most successful Canadian bands in history, there's Nickelback as well. So you don't have to be liked by everyone. It's actually better to be a bit polarizing because People that like you will really like you and everyone else, if you're just kind of middle of the road, they were never going to buy from you anyways. So you want to be Nickelback. You don't want to be someone who just doesn't have a personality. I love, we all want to be Nickelback in our, in our next life. And I also want to say, yes, this will be recorded and we can also send you notes. If you go to sendmenotes.com, that way you can get all of Terry's goodness straight to your inbox. So just wanted to add that in. There'll be Nickelback fun facts, I'm sure, plethora in the email. So um, I love this idea of really kind of attracting the right clients and really focusing on people that you think that you can serve and that you think that you can really help. I'm curious for you, what do you think makes the best client? I would say what makes the best client is someone who can commit. Maybe they don't have a goal already, but once they have one, they can commit to it and realize it's going to be challenging, but you're there to make it less confusing. Because sometimes people are like, oh, this is kind of hard. I'm like, yeah, it was hard for me. I've been doing this 15 years. You know, like I, I don't have like some kind of magic formula that's going to help you, you know, just automatically get all these, these clients or this revenue or something. It's that it's someone who sees failure as an opportunity to learn because if you're playing it safe, you'll never reach your full revenue potential or potential as a human being in general. But if you see failure as an opportunity to learn and to stretch your, you know, your, your, your comfort zone, that works too. And I think the last thing is someone who actually cares about the people that they're advertising their product or service to. Because if you don't care, if you're just going through the motions, how do you expect me to care, right? Because I don't want to help you like rip people off. <laughs> you know, I want to make sure you're delivering outcomes because then I'm just accelerating the amount of people that you can reach and hurt. <laughs> so I don't want to do that either. But that's, that's really it is. And, and the last thing I would say is someone who is just 
respectful of other people, whether it be someone who's a virtual assistant, someone who's a CEO, whatever it is, you just have to be a decent person, which shouldn't be that hard, but you, you got to put up that screen too. But actually is sometimes that hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, given all that we've been talking about just with being okay with failure and really getting comfortable in the uncomfortable to Jeff's point, you know, do you think now given the state early 2022 that we find ourselves in, do you think that now is a good time to start a business or monetize your side hustle or monetize maybe some content that you're already putting out there? It'd be funny if I said no, like, no, don't do it. Sign off right now. No, I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's a wonderful time. And I have a very simple process for how you can get involved with that. It's just you follow the action model. The first is A, offer audits. So whatever you're doing right now at your nine to five, offer that as an audit to other companies. Maybe you're doing email marketing. You have a process in place. Offer that audit to other companies. The next is C, consulting. You can consult people on how to better do their, their email marketing. Next up, T, training. Train them on different tools, products, processes, so on and so forth. After that, I, implementation. How do you actually set up ConvertKit, MailChimp, whatever it is. The O is for ongoing support. It could be a retainer. Whenever you have any questions about email marketing, please reach out to me. And the last one is new opportunities, which could be brand partnerships, could be speaking engagements, could be a podcast. So I have that written somewhere on my, <laughs> on my LinkedIn. But just fit in where you get in because you can just leverage your own knowledge without buying any products, without buying a new computer, no storefront, no nothing, just by starting by that with that and make a decent amount of money. And if you decide, wow, this is pretty cool, you know, maybe I want to do this full time. Sure, go for it. But there is no big startup cost and you can still keep your nine to five while you're doing. Do you have like a handful of examples? If anybody here today is like a little curious, like, okay, like these examples that Terry's talking about, but maybe they want to see that in action. Are there any individuals or content creators that you maybe follow that are, are doing all, if not parts of the acronym that you just described to us? Yeah, I would say uh, Brittany Barnhart. She, um, what's her ha Instagram handle? It's um, Powerhouse. Oh, she's going to kill me. Uh, forget it. I'll figure it out. Um, powerhouse something. Ask me later. Um, but yeah, I mean, she is a content creator. But for a while, she felt pigeonholed in her career because she worked in-house. And just had a lot of negative energy. People just saying, oh, you're lucky to work here and stuff like that. And she just said, look, I want to start doing my own thing. And she started creating a lot of content, which initially she was afraid to be on camera. She didn't really recognize her own voice. Um, but as she got more input from people saying, wow, this is amazing. You know, like, this is great. How can you help me? That's how she grew her brain on the side. So it was actually unintentional. She just wanted to express her thoughts free from judgment. But by creating content, that's how she started her, her now side business, or sorry, her full-time business. And what she does is she helps people build their brand and revenue uh, by helping them streamline their branding and their biz dev. So yeah, Brittany Barnhart, she's amazing. And I think she's a great example of something like that. I love that. What if someone is a little nervous or maybe they have a, a corporate job or something that's a little more serious? Would you, how would you recommend that they navigate the whole like, oh, I'm intimidated to, you know, maybe put some stuff out because the guys back at Merrill Lynch or, you know, the guys at my corporate job might not like it very much. 
Yeah, I was talking to this woman. I won't say her name, but she works for a tech company in California. I'm getting close enough, right? And she makes $600,000 a year, which is a pretty good salary, right? And she's like, Terry, you know, I want to have this other business. What do you think? I'm like, oh, that's a big lifestyle to walk away from. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, you know, maybe you start this on the side and see how much traction you can get. And when you're creating content, do you so more or less like from the lens of someone who still works at this company and even reach out to your company and say, hey, can I speak on stages about this podcast? That way they'll partner with you in content creation as opposed to being intimidated or curious to why you're doing it. And that's, that's exactly what she's doing. She actually has this training program that over 120,000 employees of her company have gone through. And it's all based on her doing this on the side while she has a family and this job, which pays her $600,000 a year, right? So it's possible even at the highest levels, but I think more companies are realizing they have to encourage entrepreneurs as well as people that are entrepreneurs because your best and, best and brightest can still get their job done in 40 hours a week. But if they have other ambitions that they want to pursue and you're restricting that, they're just going to leave. You know who's going to stay? People who don't ever have other options. <laughs> so you'll be stuck with people who don't have as much ambition perhaps um, and are happy with just like the way things are. So I think more companies are realizing that, especially as work and workplace have been decoupled, like no time in history that you have to give people leeway to have more autonomy to, to explore their opportunities or those going to leave. Totally. And in, uh, obviously in the example you just gave, you know, this woman works at a big tech company, but I really like Javier's question here, which is, let's say you don't work at a big brand name tech company or, you know, a name brand company at all. How can you create credibility for your customers or clients, whatever you want to call them, about your knowledge. If, if you can't say, well, you know, as a founding member of Facebook or as the number two developer at Uber, you know, if you don't have the this big flashy corporate name to kind of throw around, how can you establish that credibility? That's a problem that I had early in my career solving because I was coming from Adobe and Facebook. And like, dude, yeah, obviously you're doing okay because of who you are. Um, so I was like, well, how can I solve the problem that Javier is speaking to? What I did is I started on a very local level, giving free talks at co-working spaces, at the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce, uh, at libraries, and just trying out new content, getting feedback, getting testimonials, and then putting them on my website. And that's how I made myself more, even more attractive to brands like, like NBC or Brooklyn Brewery or um, was it Standard Hotels. But it started like real grassroots. So what I would say is you get credibility based on the results you're delivering and you have to find a way to do so. So what organizations can you speak at maybe for free in exchange for this feedback, this credibility, these testimonials? And then from there, you can say, well, look, there's all these other people who have said, I'm awesome at this. But Javier, let me give you a hack because I know uh, Kim loves like these LinkedIn tips. What I normally do like during an event like this, pretend I'm Javier and I want to get more credibility. Because I would say, look, I see a lot of you are interacting in the chat window. This is awesome. You know what I want to do? I'm going to put a post up on LinkedIn that says, hey, if you attended Coffee with Kim today, let me know your biggest key, key takeaways as well as who you are and what you do. As soon as you post that, a bunch of people are going to comment on it, which is going to boost it in the LinkedIn feed. And then beyond that, next time you want to try to book a talk and someone says, well, how do we know you're good? Look at this post. Look at all these comments. 
So that's just an easy way to get some credibility. You can screenshot those, put them on social media, put them on your website, so on and so forth. If you do that, you're a month away from having credibility. So that's what I would move forward with. One month. Hear that, Javier? That's pretty darn fast. So um, it looks like Aaron has a Aaron has a curious question. If you've read Company of One. You'd be amazed at how many books I haven't read. So <laughs> no, uh, it sounds pretty cool. And I'd love to hear more about it. But um, my filter for books and Javier, uh, sorry, Aaron, thank you for that, is normally when they're recommended by someone else. So I just got done reading uh, Limitless by Jim Quick. Um, I also read Winning by Tim Grover, which is amazing. Uh, Atomic Habits um, by James Clear. So some of these you know, books that I'm sure you've all heard of, but I think to the point, I schedule time to read because my goal is to read a book a week and got to put company of one on there. But the more you consume, the more you can create. However, if you're not consuming content, you run out of stuff to create. And that's when you get repetitive. You start boring everyone, including yourself. So came back to the point of how do I organize my day? If I'm not learning something, eh, it was kind of a waste of a day. So I, I will take that time to do so. And one way that I read to learn faster is by reading uh, Jim Quick's book, Limitless, where you learn how to speed read, uh, which has been an enormous help because now I can read twice as fast. Super beneficial. And we've had we've had Jim on here, and he's such uh, such a wonderful human. So I'm always I'm always happy to plug Jim because he's doing some some really great work. Um, and I I saw Laura's question and I wanted to dig into it, but then I wanted to answer it, and then I wanted Terry to answer it, but I wanted to answer it, Laura, because honestly it's almost like you are spying on me. Cause I would say like once a week, if not twice a week, I will slack Shelby or Danielle on my team and be like, don't know what to buzz. What do I do? So I, this one hit me right in the heart when I, when I saw that. Um, and I wanted to say that I put together this list and we have been using it and I thought, okay, I'm going to share this with everybody else, we'll drop it in the links, but I put together 30 sort of content ideas that I go back to on rainy days, my sort of rainy day content list when I don't know what to post. So maybe my rainy day content list will help you. But I'm curious, Terry, what, what do you do on those days when you sort of wake up and you're like, oh, the heck am I doing today? What am I posting about today? I think it's a function of mindfulness and realizing that stories are unfolding around us all the time if you just lock in and pay attention. So like right now I'm at my desk, I'm looking, it's actually a mess, which is not normal for me, but you have to have a clear environment in order to have clear thoughts to create better content. So that could be my post, right? Hey, yesterday my desk was a mess. I realized, hey, same thing I just said, you know, hey, do you clean your environment before you start working? Drop some tips below. That's it, that's the post, right? Just for me realizing that I am a slob, <laughs> um, there's a post from that. But um, it's trying to find those moments within the moments and pulling a story out of it that will be relevant to your audience, but also unique to you. Because if you're just posting like how to type stuff, someone can steal that and or you won't be unique. But uh, when Kevin Hart was first starting out, that's the advice he got from his mentor. He's like, you know, you're funny, but you're telling jokes that anyone could tell. Like guy walks into a bar holding a chicken. He's like, that's good. You have good timing. But until people see you as a person and not just someone reciting lines, you're not going to be successful. So he's like, look at all the greats, you know, Seinfeld, George Carlin, like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. They all talk about their lives. You have to do the same thing. As a content creator, I strongly recommend doing that because when we talk about brand partnerships, that's how you get them. 
right? Not just someone who's good at digital marketing, but someone who's funny and talks about digital marketing, someone who has a family, someone who like has hobbies, whatever it is, that's how you grow your brand. So it's really important to share as much as you feel comfortable. That's such a key point. And I'm really glad you touched on it, which is share as much as you feel comfortable. I think don't feel like, well, I have to show, you know, my underwear drawer or my kids, you know, sometimes I don't have kids, but you do Terry, you know, sometimes people with their kids or it's, it's a little touch and go. So don't, don't feel like, well, if I don't show my kids, then I'm not being authentic. Don't show something if you don't feel comfortable showing it. I 100% agree with that, Terry, for sure. I share pictures of my kids because I'm like, I get something out of this. I'm bored. I'm like <laughs> so busy all the time. Like that has to be part of my brand. Otherwise, it's like <laughs> it's just it's just slowing me down. Slowing me down. Ugh, I love this. Okay. We have reached my most favorite part of the talk, which is like the caffeine-fueled speed round questions. So I'm gonna take a sip of my drink, but are you ready, Terry? I'm gonna take a sip of mine too, and I'll be ready. Okay. Here we go. This is where we just copy all of your homework. I'm really excited. Uh, what What is something that you have started doing lately or using lately that you absolutely love? You are obsessed with this. It could be using a certain app or maybe you bought a certain product off Amazon. But, but what is that thing that you can't stop talking about? One thing I started doing is scheduling time for white space which is pretty much doing nothing. So what I'll do is I'll go to my roof. I'm here in Brooklyn and I have a clear view of Manhattan. I can see like, uh, sorry, sorry, I can see like a uh, World Trade Center uh, as well as Billionaire's Row, like up in the, um, I think it's in the thirties. And I'll just stare and let my mind wander. And that's when some of my best ideas come to me because I'm not doing something, I'm just existing. And as a result of that, you can get into flow state. And from there, I come up with some really good ideas. So it's fun. I love it. A little rooftop session. Um, I'm curious, what is something that you are hoping to learn? It could be either learn for work. You know, I want to learn click funnels or something like that. Or it could just be that you want to learn in your personal life. Like I want to learn Spanish. But is there something in 2022 that you are really hoping to learn about? I want to get better at creating reels because you do a really good job at it. And for me, I think it'll be a lot of fun because it's like, it's not as polished as some of the stuff I do on a corporate level, but I know it can appeal to a corporate level. So I'm like almost at the age where I'm too old for that. So I'm going to do it while I have time <laughs> because I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I think these days, if you can't create short form, but valuable content, you're in trouble. So that's something I want to focus on. No, I, I totally, totally hear you on that. And actually my dad currently does not like my reels. He thinks they're very silly and weird and that they're sabotaging my reputation. So just know not everybody, I love them, but not everybody approves. I love the interactions with your dad too. Like it's, it's, it's clear that you have a close relationship. So I think that's He's hilarious. Sure. He's like my number one fan. And also my number one, like you look ridiculous. You should stop that right now. That's amazing. How ridiculous. Um, okay. I feel like so much of our time is spent on is spent on these crazy things on on our phones all the time. So I'm curious whether it's on LinkedIn or it could be on Instagram or Twitter or any other of these social media platforms. Are there humans or brands that you follow that you just feel like you see their accounts 
and they just kind of light you up. Like they bring a smile to your face and it doesn't have to be super serious and work related. It can be like silly, you know, puppy videos or something, but like, what are some accounts or, or people that just really, you feel like, ah, oh, they are putting out some good stuff. Uh, I would say our mutual friend, Jason Pfeiffer, who's the editor in chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. The reason why I like his content is because, yeah, he says some smart sounding stuff, but he'll also say, my kids woke me up at 4.45 in the morning and I am tired. Or at one point he got like a bunch of free meat delivered on accident and he reported himself like traveling around Brooklyn trying to donate it. And I was like, it's amazing. This guy has such a huge platform, makes so much impact, but he's like walking around with a, like a shopping cart full of meat right now, <laughs> trying to give it away. So what? the behind the scenes content, I, I really do appreciate. And another one would be uh, Dr. Michael Gervais, who is a high performance psychologist. He works with the Seattle Seahawks. Does a lot of work with uh, entertainers um, as well as uh, Microsoft and other corporations. And he's just the, the king of just mental mastery and having a strong inner game, which impacts your, your outer game, your life and giving the tools and resources needed to do so. So he's always fun to, to check out too. I love that. And I'm curious, you know, I feel like sometimes we all go through phases where, you know, I listen to this podcast religiously and then it just sort of fades off or I'm obsessed with this newsletter and then it just sort of fades off. Is there, whether it's a podcast or a newsletter that just for you has sort of stood the test of time that even, you know, three years later or four years later, you are still getting this one newsletter or you are still listening to this one podcast. There's a newsletter, um, it's called The Daily Dad. And uh, Ryan Holiday is one of the, the founders of the company. But it's just like, as per the name, Daily Dad Tips. And it still reminds me that like, being a parent, it you got to do it on purpose. You can't just like get the snacks, take them to school. Like there's all these things you have to instill in your children, such as their values. And for my kids, I want them to be strong, curious and respectful, right? So I'm like, okay, how do we how do we do this? But it's a good daily reminder right before they get up is when I read it, because that's when they're like the most wild. I'm like, well, look, dude, like this is your job. You signed up for this and now go to work. So I read that every morning around like 620 or so to, to prime myself for the day. I love that. Okay. Well, as you know, we love homework around these parts. So if you could give everyone here today homework that we have to do over the next week, it could be read a certain book or post a certain something on LinkedIn. What would you have us do for the week? Can I make it a two-parter or is that yes, like, I'm that guy course. if I do it? Yeah. The first would be to document the vision that you have for your life. Meaning, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What's your desired future state? You know, what circles are you known in? Document that because if you have a vision, then you have all the motivation needed to overcome whatever challenges you might experience in pursuit of that vision. But if you're kind of just going through the motions, like you don't see what's at the light at the end of the tunnel, so you don't know what to aim for. And the next thing is to document your dominant question. What's a question you're trying to answer on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. And that should be aligned with your vision. Right. So one dominant question I have is, how can I use this moment to live in the legacy that I want to live, leave behind? Because so many people are concerned about their legacy. Well, guess what? You're living it right now. So when my kids are going crazy, I'm like, one legacy I want to leave behind is being a patient dad. Right. Or one legacy I want to leave is helping people grow their business. How can I do that right now? So that's that's another one. Uh, so, so to reiterate, document your vision 
as well as your dominant question. And those two should be related because they support each other. But if you do that, you'll be amazed at how the answer to your dominant question reveals itself all the time because you're looking for it now and you're aware of what you're trying to answer. I, I love that. And that's like the best two part homework I think we've ever gotten. So that is really uh, obsessed. I'm going to be, I'm going to be thinking about that one for many days to come. So thank you for that, Terry. Where can people continue to interact with you, find you? Where, where's the best place that they should connect? Yeah. LinkedIn is where I'm most active. So that'd be great. Also on Instagram at it's Terry Rice. And then my website is terryrice.co. Some photographer in, in Indiana got the com. Um, so I'm um, .co. But if you want photos made, go, go to .com. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. Terry, you are such a gem and so much fun. And I just wanted to say thank you for being here with us today. You guys heard him. Go connect with Terry on LinkedIn, on Instagram on terryrice.co, not .com. But I just want to say thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for being here and asking such brilliant, amazing questions. It was such a joy. And I just wanted to send a big, a big cheers your way. So thank you so much. Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest, you know how to ask some hard hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.